Live from the heartland and the crossroads of America, it's Tony Katz today. I can't imagine that there are people, like real people, not Wall Street people, real people, who were surprised that the market got punched in the face yesterday and today opened like 200 points down. I can't imagine that anybody's surprised, but it really, uh, saying it properly, I should say, everyone outside of Wall Street, everybody on Midwest Main Street, yeah, they get it. They saw it coming. They knew what was coming. They understand what the story is. They know what time it is. And what time it is is that things are not good. And it wouldn't even matter what it is that's happening on Wall Street. It would not matter because it's it's super strange. First, as we've often talked about, like the chasm, right? The gulf between Wall Street and Midwest Main Street, totally real, absolutely true. Has anybody noticed how little attention people are, play, are, are paying to the markets? If it wasn't for FTX, that scam, that fraud from Sam Bankman-Fried, that lying, that thieving, I mean, you wouldn't hear anything about the markets. Instead, you hear things like this. He said he doesn't stand a chance. <laughs> he doesn't know what he's up against. I tell people. Nancy instinctively knew how to handle Trump because for her first, you know, 35, 40 years of life, she raised five children and she knew how to deal with children. And that's what helped her deal with Trump because he ultimately was a child. See, see, Trump, Trump's a child. This is what the top news stories are. This and, and of course, uh, the questions about uh, Twitter, as we've been talking about, and, oh, you're not allowing the journalists. Oh, it's the end of days of Twitter. <laughs> Good Lord. Tony Katz. Tony Katz today. What's going on, everybody? Find everything. TonyKatz.Locals.com. TonyKatz.Locals.com. That's where you find all the good things. Yeah, it, it's as if real news has gone out the window. I'm wondering if it's because of the holidays. I, I don't know. Maybe it's because of the holidays. I'm not so sure. Maybe we've got ourselves Christmas, Hanukkah, all the things coming, and everyone's like, I'm out the door. I'm done. Goodbye, 2022. You sucked it. Uh, uh, don't even look at me. Bye-bye. Don't want to know. No, no. Don't tell me about your markets. I know my 401k is in the crapatorium. Not interested. Don't tell me about some new thing. I'm gone. I'll catch you in 2023. Maybe then you won't be such a bitch. Wait, hold on. Is that just me? Is that just, I, I mean, 2022 was personally rough. Family uh, health issues. I mean, for the first time all year, my parents are, are both healthy at the same time and have been for approximately 20 days. I mean, it's been scary. I mean, my mother almost died. Very, very rough. Business-wise, it's been weird because I didn't realize how many decisions would have to get made this year. Real decisions about what I what I want. I, I should get into that when I get back, uh, and, and and I will. I promise. Because because you're there's some news to let out. You're going to hear some things, and, and I, don't worry. I'll, I'll be here. At least at least that's my plan. Um, but I do I have some some pretty interesting things happening and going on, and, and I'm happy to share that with you. I'm looking forward 
to sharing that with you. But I, I think that for a fair amount of people, they're just happy to be done with this. And maybe a, a year of normalcy. For a lot of people, remember, you and I, we've lived normal this whole time. You know how many people across the country really lived in shell shock, in fear, in hiding, in hibernation? When they heard about other states where people were going out to restaurants, they're like, what? They couldn't believe it. Could not believe it. They were disconnected from us. In the same exact way, Wall Street is disconnected from us. So, no, I wasn't surprised about the down at the quick. Lord only knows where the markets are going to end up. But I am will tell you this. One of the reasons I made some decisions this year is because I'm not looking favorably at what's coming next year. I'll say it again. I only hope you're prepared for what 2023, 2023 financially is going to bring which is nothing good from the quick. It's going to be ugly. Speaking of ugly, the Colts. That story is coming up. I'm Tony Katz, and this is Tony Katz Today. The Colts take on the Vikings. Purdue has a new coach. Andrew Brees is a coach. And yet you got a whole bunch of players who have decided a citrus ball now. I'll pass. It's all very strange. Tony Katz, good to be with you. JMV joins us right now from 93.5-1075. The fan, before we get into the Colts against the Vikings this Saturday, explain the Drew Brees thing to me. The former quarterback, the NFLer, the clear Hall of Famer, he's coming back to be a coach just for the Citrus Bowl? Um, I think it's PR, Tony. That's how it's explained to me. It's probably goodwill PR more than it is maybe anything else. So, I mean, I, you can look at it two different ways. I don't think it's that egregious, but, you know, I'd asked the question yesterday, so what is, what is this about? And it was kind of explained to me that it was probably more PR um, for a team. Obviously, it's going to be lacking a lot of it with their coach going to Louisville, their new coach not coaching, and the brother of the coach going to Louisville that's going to be coaching them on an interim basis. No O'Connell, no Charlie Jones, uh, no Pay Durham. So, yeah, PR is probably what you're looking for more so than anything else. And a lot of sideline shots of the future Hall of Famer. Maybe putting some, getting some input as far as play by play is concerned, but yeah, a lot of PR rolling right there, Tony. What what's the point? Doesn't it look more pathetic than valuable? Like it 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 looks gimmicky. I'm, I'm not mad at Drew Brees if if someone said Drew Brees was going to get into the coaching game and he was not going to do any of the commentating or anything else. People are like, okay, that's that's cool. Wouldn't wouldn't you want to have him as uh, on your staff and see where his his future goes? But that doesn't seem what this is. No, I, I don't know if I look at it as as gimmicky. Um, it is probably. I mean, I, I'm not suggesting you're wrong because you can look at it that way. Um, I just I don't think it's that big of a deal all the way around, to be honest with you. So I just kind of look at it as he's going to be down there and they're kind of doing it um, for for the love, and that's that's about it. There's not a, a great deal behind it. I don't think he's going to all of a sudden be struck with the, hey, I'd like to do this, you know, for my alma mater in the future or anything like that. It's just kind of a, a one-time thing, as it was explained to me. And 
they'll move forward afterwards. Gimmicky is probably a good thing, probably a good way to, to put it, to be honest. Talking to JMV from 93.5175 The Fan and the Citrus Bowl, Purdue against LSU, and you've got a multiplicity of players who have decided not to play, including O'Connell, the quarterback, and there's a, there's a family reason for that one, which I don't know how people feel about that. What about everybody else? Um, well, I mean, you got guys who are just going to go ahead and get ready for the NFL. They don't want to take a chance on getting hurt in a situation like that. Um, you see a lot of players, Tony, around college football, these bowl games. That's just what these bowl games, for the most part, unless you're in the college football playoff, that's what these bowl games mean. If you are somebody who believes, somebody who has been told you're going to be you know, a high draft selection in the NFL draft or have that opportunity, you're not going to chance it for that. So I, I always kind of look at that as being really lame. I can kind of understand it because the NFL is just kind of a short window of opportunity here, and you want to take advantage of it. You don't want to start out being injured because certainly we've seen examples in the past, Tony, of guys getting injured in a situation like this. But it's your team, man. I don't know how you grew up. I know how I grew up. It's your team, and you go with your team, and you're a part of your team. But uh, it's tough to be critical of these guys because I guess ultimately they're making a longer-term business decision. Well, I think it's hard to be critical of these guys when it's your team, it's your team, it's your team, and Jeff Brom isn't there to guide the team in a bowl game. Yeah, but here's the thing, though. Their teammates are there. I mean, the guys that you ride with all year long are there. So, I mean, that's I, I get what you're saying about Jeff Brom being a Louisville, but, you know, the guys that you have, you know, ran with, done drills with, played with all season long, most of those guys are still there. Most of those guys are still playing. So that's the type of, you know, rah-rah team thing that I'm giving right here. But ultimately what it comes down to is, you know, for these guys, you know, Charlie Jones, for example, you know, Payne Durham, for example, uh, this comes down to a business decision. Now let's move it over to the game well, really, tomorrow, uh, you've got the Colts, you've got uh, the Vikings. You know, we've already talked about Jeff Saturday saying he wants this uh, head coaching gig on a full-time basis. He wants to be able to interview uh, for it. Uh, to give himself an opportunity, he has to win out. And certainly, as you've described, the Colts have to win out to give themselves any opportunity to actually have uh, an opportunity at the playoffs, which is still possible. It's still possible, based on the math, for the Colts to win the AFC South. Uh, the Vikings don't seem like the team they're going to get the win over, even though the Vikings have had their struggles. Yeah, well, the Vikings defensively, they're going to keep the Colts in it tomorrow, Tony. They will. Defensively, they're just not very good. They'll probably make Matt Ryan look good because their defense just is not good. They have surrendered a lot of points in the past couple of weeks, and you saw what the Lions certainly and Dan Campbell did to them. So I think that their defense being so lackluster will keep the Colts in it. But here's what you got to figure out here. you got to figure out, and, and this is where – Jim Irsay has put Jeff Saturday in such a bad situation, and here's why. Because logically, where this team is going, they're not going to make the postseason. They're not going to win this division. None of that crap is happening. You want to position yourself the best as possible for one of those top three quarterbacks. Now, if you go out and win a couple of games, that's great for Jeff Saturday, but that's not great for your future because you're about to be out of the window of guys like you know, Will Levis uh, or maybe C.J. Stroud, somebody like that if they're hanging around around seven or eight or nine in that neighborhood of that April NFL draft, you'll take yourself out of consideration. But 
if you're Jeff Saturday and you don't win these games, what happens is in the court of public opinion from the fan base, they're already hoping for another coach. They don't want you to be the head coach. And if Jim Mercer really truly wanted Jeff Saturday to be the coach, then he would have waited until the offseason. He wouldn't have done that during the season because whoever was going to be coaching this team, Tony, one like he was going to lose anyway. So to me, if you really wanted Jeff Saturday to have a shot at that job, you would have given Jeff Saturday that job after the season because somebody else would have coached him up, somebody else would have lost, and then you would not have that stain of losing still continuously this season on Jeff Saturday. So it's going to be interesting. And by the way, Jim Arce mentioned a couple of different times at the owners' meetings yesterday when he was talking about going out and interviewing, coming up in the offseason, potential coaches. He mentioned the collegiate level a couple of different times, so it makes you wonder about how hard he may go after Jim Harbaugh. When it's I, done. You know, you you bring up Ursay, and, and I've discussed this with you. Uh, I know that some of your compatriots over there in the fan uh, have talked about this. They've got stories out about this. Nothing's going to get better until Jim Ursay steps aside. And until so, the Ursay family looks at him and says, you are a connective tissue to the problems post Andrew Luck, or or the problems post, if if, if you will, uh, Peyton Manning, you can't be involved in day to day decisions. That's over. You've hurt this team, and you've hurt the continuity and the opportunities for this team. Will anybody tell him that? No, nobody will tell him that. And I, I'm going to ask you this question: If I, I'll ask you right now, do you think the fans would rather have Chris Ballard back? as the general manager for another year, or Jeff Saturday back as the head coach next year? If we were going to ask Colts fans that, what do you think? They, they, would, they, would, take, they would take Saturday over Ballard, but that's an emotional decision. Yeah, I, and because it's a longer-term thing, it's okay, you've had six years to show what you uh, unfortunately have not been capable of doing, and Jeff Saturday has this small window so far. And more of the emotion that you're talking about is how Jeff Saturday was a player during the successful years here. But – what you're doing, Tony, is you're working Jeff Saturday into that category of they don't think he's the future head coach. And you're talking about who is going to say something to Jim Irsay about, you know, making sure you don't meddle any longer. Because clearly, to me, Chris Ballard is a guy that has not been behind a couple of these decisions as of recently. So I don't know how much of the ear of Jim Irsay he has. So can he tell him? Probably not. So who's going to be able to tell him? Nobody. Nobody but Jim Irsay. He has daughters, right? Yeah, he does. I don't. Okay. I don't know. I don't know about that, brother. If, if they <laughs> so, need help, I'll help them craft the message. I'm pretty good at these. Well, things. listen. He needs somebody. He needs somebody strong in the department of general manager or head coach. And I don't think either one. All of these I can. Guys. All I can do is like special Jim, Jim advisor. Harbaugh, I, I don't think I'm the guy to be the general manager. They can get somebody else. But if tell him. Uh, tell him to stay out of the way. Yeah, I can do that. Yeah. Well, here's the other thing too. I think he'll stay out of the way. If they start seeing success, that's the other thing. And how long is it going to be before they see some consistent success? That's that's beyond just Tony being told and wanting to step aside and not meddle. I think when he does that, that is when this team starts winning again and he doesn't feel the need, whenever that's going to be. Yeah, if I'm being asked, uh, the, the Colts faithful would take Saturday as coach versus Ballard as general manager. I, and I do. I, I think it's absolutely based on emotion. Could I be wrong on that? I guess, I guess it's possible. I guess it's possible. My thanks to JMV for being with us. I think they would take Saturday. I think they would take the emotion over everything else with, without question. 
question. That's what they would do. And I don't 100% know if I, if I blame them. I don't know why I, I, I would. I don't know what to make of Ballard. Because if you want to argue he's done a terrible job, you can. Except when you took a look at this draft class, everyone was like, oh, this is pretty good. You haven't seen bad draft classes. You've seen some not work out as well as others. What you haven't seen is a quarterback being selected, that position being handled. Yes, the offensive line failed, failed miserably uh, so far this year. Is that Ballard's fault? Because on paper, these guys look like the guys. All that money, they look like the guys. So is that a Ballardism or is that Frank Reich ruining the potential, not putting it in place, maybe getting rid of, uh, what was his, Marcus, oh, what was his name? Oh, I can't remember the offensive coordinator's name. Getting rid of him was a, a move or, or, or moving things in that, on that offensive line, uh, things that those coaches wouldn't do, didn't do. Maybe it's on him. Because I don't think people were talking about, man, that Ballard last year. The two losses last year that kept the Colts out of the playoffs with Phillip Rivers, that's the fault of, of, of coaching, right? Oh, no, it was on Phillip Rivers with Carson Wentz. That was the fault of Wentz. That was the fault of coaching. That was the fault of Reich. That's where that landed. So I don't know if it, I don't think it landed with Ballard. I never got that feel that it landed with him. But I think the emotion wins out. I'm, I'm giving a logical thing. The emotion wins out. You want Jeff Saturday. You believe in Jeff Saturday. He's brought you so many great things. Why not give it a shot? This is why Jim Irsay needs to be out of the picture. I've been saying this for a while. Allow me to plant my flag. Jim Irsay is the problem with this team right now. Jim Irsay will not leave well enough alone. Jim Irsay will not walk away. Jim Irsay might have a tremendous amount of football knowledge. What does that matter? He cannot act in a way that allows the team to thrive. He went from Peyton Manning to Andrew Luck, generational, generational quarterback to generational quarterback. And then the luck ran out. I mean, I wasn't trying to do wordplay there. It's just the way it worked. And he has for five, six years now just not had a quarterback, not had anybody who can do the job. And it shows massive gaping holes in his theories, philosophies, and possibilities. What it is that he does. That's just that's just the way that one is. Things get better when he when he steps out. Um, I'm leaving it there. Things will be better when he steps out. And I believe I didn't mean he's still on the team. But don't have so much of a say and stop talking to the press. Don't make predictions. Let them play. I'm Tony Katz. This is Tony Katz Today. No, actually, you didn't. Uh, you actually kind of mocked her. You said, uh, you, you mentioned crying, as she did, uh, which is pretty mocking. That's your interpretation. It is. Well, yeah, Dr. Phil, we, we, the only rule we have at dinner is that you cannot cry. Well, you have table. to go in the other room. You have to, I, yeah, and, and, and we all know why. Because white women tears, it shifts the whole conversation from what you're trying to engage in to, oh, poor so-and-so, ain't it awful. They made her feel bad. You know what I expect? 
I must say that there is a whole new group of mean girls out there. And uh, they're all bigots. Or maybe they're not all bigots, but all the bigots are certainly the mean girls. You take somebody who has never done anything wrong to you and decide that based on the color of their skin, there's something wrong with them and they must be destroyed. You ask. They ask, why do I oppose DEI? Why do I oppose this bigotry? Well, why would anybody ever be in favor of this crap? Tony Katz, that's me. Tony Katz today, that's the name of the show. Find everything, TonyKatz.Locals.com. This story is based on the idea that there are these uh, bigots uh, and and I am referring to uh, I think it's it's not Sarah Rao or Rao, um, the race to dinner conversations where uh, they have dinner with white women and basically call them racist. You're a racist and you're a racist and your mother's a racist. That's all they do. Call people racist all day, all night, all the time. And you're not allowed to cry at the table because crying is a tactic used to reframe a conversation. I don't know the other woman, Regina Jackson, who you heard from uh, there about, you know, crying. I only know the other one. S-A-I-R-A is her name. So I don't know if it's Sarah or Sarah. Um, And I don't know if it's pronounced Rayo, like, like the Italian restaurant of New York fame, or Rao. I don't know. But neither here nor there, uh, she um, uh, is is this race-baiting freak on social media. Oh, no respect whatsoever. I have um, no re- respect for her whatsoever. There's no respect to have. And what do I care what she says about me? She's going to call me a racist. That's that's what she's going to say. It's it's default. It's, it, it doesn't mean anything. It's not real. It's not real. I go home to my wife and to my children, to my friends, to my hobbies, to my life, and I'm fine. Do you think I care what this woman says? Everything in her life is bigotry. Is bigotry. Everyone to her is a bigot. It's really and truly Remarkable. Now, what's interesting is that their their theory is they can say to white women anything they want, and if a white woman should ask a question or disagree, well, why are you so hurt? Why do you object so much? Why can't you just handle this? Look at your privilege. Remember, they used to call it uh, a white fragility. Uh, and, and so white fragility was invented by Robin D'Angelo as a way of saying, if you are to respond to being called a racist, well, that's just your inability to deal with the fact that you're a racist. But you're not a racist. No, 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 we said you're a racist, so you are a racist, and you are disagreeing with that because you're fragile and you can't handle the fact that you're a racist. Some of the most awful bigotry out there. I wasn't planning on starting with, with the story. It wasn't my, my plan at, at, at all. Um... It's that it showed up in a, in a, I think it was in a Fox News story, and then this appearance on Dr. Phil, and the real question is, why, oh why, are you going to these dinners where they're video, doing video and you know you're going to get destroyed? Why would you show up to a place that hates you? 
why do you hate yourself so much? Um, just a, a, a quick um, thing about this woman, uh, Sarah Rayo. Uh, she has urged people on Twitter to make a banner about ending whiteness, march against whiteness, rally against whiteness, raise your megaphone against whiteness, take to the streets against whiteness. Until and unless we eradicate toxic whiteness, the violence will never stop. And literally everything wrong with this country is due to toxic whiteness. It is not a sideshow. It is every single main event center stage. Okay. Well, you, you have a nice day. Why do people go to these dinners? Why would you attend dinner with somebody who says that? There is a video, oh gosh, uh, Ryan, I, I would uh, commend you to uh, looking for it. It's, it's of a, a guy who works as, at the front desk at a hotel, and he's white. And a black guest, I don't know, needed a different room or whatever, or, and, and the, the, the guy behind the counter is having a hard time figuring it out, and then all of a sudden it gets racial. And the, the white guy behind the counter becomes so frustrated, he starts hitting himself in the face. And the black guy is like, why are you hitting yourself in the face? What's wrong with you? What happens to a person when they cannot logically respond because any response is met with, well, you're a bigot? And you have conditioned yourself to the idea that the response that could be rational is somehow a bigoted response because of the person you would be responding to. Why do people engage in such anger? How do they become so incredibly fraught? When you do not allow people reason, when you make determinations and then apply them and then sell that determination and that application in every cultural instance, you may very well start to believe it. And if you start to believe it when confronted with what it is you know is happening versus what it is you're told you're supposed to think, you lose your head. And immediately you come to the realization that Atlas Shrugged is a really good book. I'm not, am I, am, I spoil, am I doing a spoiler alert on Atlas Shrugged? The end of the book, I forget if it's, if it's John Galt asking the, the guard to move aside. If not, he's going to get shot, right? That's the scene. And the guard, as Ayn Rand writes it, cannot figure out, I'm going to get shot, but no, 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 I'm supposed to believe this, but no, 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 this is happening, but no, no, I'm supposed to believe this because they said to believe this, but in my real world, I know this is happening. And she plays out this 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 inner conflict of this of this guard, and that is what's happened in this in this thing with this uh, guy at the hotel. Were you able to find it, by the way? I, I I wouldn't play it. I just get me the link and I'll post it. I'll I'll post it today. Send me the link. It's watch it without the sound because I don't know if there's cursing or not. Inside, it's crazy. It's crazy. The dude is he's. He doesn't know how to respond. He is so, so mentally wrecked. He's so tortured and turned. And you ask yourself, is that going to create a less racist society? And the answer is, well, of course not. Of course it's not going to create a less racist society. What it's going to do is make more and more people unhappy and it's going to lead to more and more levels of outrage and outbreaks of outrage. Why are there so many fights on airplanes?
And you know how I feel about fights on airplanes. You don't cause a scene on an airplane. You let the plane take off, you let the plane land, and you shut your mouth. Don't do nothing. Stare at your iPad or your phone and eat your cookie and get your water. Shut your face. Oh, and don't take off your shoes and socks, you filthy animal. Don't be picking your toes on the back of the seat where I can see you. Wear a shirt that has sleeves. I would rather people suited up like I did. Yes, I wear a suit on a plane. Yes, I do. I'm going on vacation in less than a week. What am I going to be wearing? Suit. Why? Because I'm a grown-ass man. Well, I like to wear pajamas because they're comfortable. You're awful. And chances are you've never satisfied a sexual partner. That's my take. I wear pajamas because it's comfortable. Is that right? On a plane? Yeah. Congratulations, ladies. You married a winner. Oh, I know I'm going to have friends say, dude, man, I, I, I wear pajamas on a plane. I'm gonna be. Like, I'm gonna be like, okay, that's dude. You you do what you do. Then we look at their wives and be like, call me. Because someone's got to take care of them. Damn it! I'm just doing my part for America. This got, this whole conversation got weird. Back to the story. Why are people acting up on planes? Why are they engaged in these fights? Why is this happening? It's happening because. In, in in my view, you are not an awful person. You are not a bigot based on your existence. You're not awful based on your existence. Yet here's this group of people who profit. Remember, this, this woman, uh, Syrah Rao, she profits off of the name she calls you. What do you think? These dinners are for free? Look, she's showing up on Dr. Phil. She makes bank. You think she's you think she's an expert? Feel free. Think she's an expert. But she profits off of this. I have been asking the question regarding Al Sharpton for a decade. When I first started my radio career. How do you heal the racial divide when the wound is so profitable? And there has never been an answer to that question. Because it doesn't matter what you do, there's always something else. Because the aggrieved have to be aggrieved, otherwise there's nothing to aggrieve them. And if there isn't, what is their purpose? What is their existence? Who are they? Who are they? They lose their identity. And that's what this woman Rao is all about. This is her identity, calling you names. Well, culturally, this has happened to the point where people are, are connecting uh, or, or, or fighting between their reality and what it is they're told is the problem with them. These cultural things, huge, huge. Uh, again, I was going to get into a whole series of other subjects. You know what? They'll keep They'll keep. I'm. I'm glad that I saw this come come about. I'm glad I'm, I I saw this story just just pop up. Although I almost want to think this had happened a, a while ago, but maybe it didn't. May, maybe it didn't. 
you have to ask yourself in all ways, am I feeling the way I'm being told to feel or am I feeling the way I feel? Because I believe you should start with, this is the way I feel. Then you have to ask yourself, is there a fundamental issue with the way I feel? If I feel sad, eh, you feel sad. If you feel angry, you feel angry. If you feel happy, you feel happy. If you feel sad and you want to do harm to yourself, that's an issue. If you feel angry and you want to do harm to the person who angered you, well, one could argue that that's probably a rational thought, but you then shouldn't act out on it. If you're angry about something and you want to do harm to people who did nothing to you, that is irrational. Those are things you should get help for. But when you know you're not a racist, you know you're not a bigot, you're just walking through your life, you said hello to somebody, and someone decides that you've offended them or you did something wrong, them deciding it doesn't make it true, and the color of their skin doesn't make it factual. If I call you an anti-Semite, just because I'm Jewish doesn't make you an anti-Semite. What, I have some secret knowledge all of a sudden? I'm the expert at deciding? It would have had to have been about something specific that could create only that response. Someone saying it, whether it be yelled across a room or said on social media or engaged in a, in a, in a school setting, doesn't make it real. And we have to take back the ability to reason and say, wait a second, what is it's being said here? And what is real? And okay, that's not, that's not, that's an interesting point. Maybe there is an interesting point. I'm not saying that not everything is without a bit of lesson, but then it's for you to take in, not to satisfy them, but to decide that this is something you can do to lead a better life. Not do something so somebody else will stop. All right, I'll say this, I'll do that, just please don't hurt me. No, 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 That's an abuser. And you're not supposed to take abuse from an abuser. You're supposed to leave the abuser or fight back. You fight back by saying, oh, hell no. I'll keep my mind for myself, thank you very much. Ladies, don't show up to these dinners. You're crazy if you do. Oh, and, and the husbands who wear pajamas? Yeah, you might want to tell them that uh, that's not going to work for you anymore. I'm Tony Katz. The book signing is Saturday. That's tomorrow. Smoker's Choice in Brownsburg on Green Street. You know, they've got a nut selection. They have a gigantic humidor. It's gigantic. It's crazy. Uh, lovely people. Good spot. Me, I'm Tony Katz. Tony Katz today. You guys know I wrote a book called Let's Go Bourbon. It is the bourbon reader you've always needed. Myself and Fingers Malloy. We host Eat, Drink, Smoke, the Cigar and Bourbon Show. 60 stations across the country, maybe more by now. Uh, doing fantastic. And, and so we're doing a book signing. So you can get your Christmas, your Hanukkah gifts on Saturday, 4 to 6 p.m. Super easy to do. Show up, buy a book, buy a pullover, whatever it is you want. We'll sign it. If you already have a book, you can bring it. We'll sign that for free. We're going to be smoking some cigars, having a good time, and uh, we, we invite you to come out. Come out and bring your friends and buy a book. Buy a hundred books. Buy a hundred books. What, are they going to kill you? You buy the books and, and everything is great. Everything is good and fantastic and terrific. You'll get yourself a cigar. 
You have a bourbon, we'll hang. It'll be a terrific, terrific, wonderful time. So that's Saturday. And and, and then um, I'm on vacation. I uh, Weird. Two weeks. Two weeks. It's even weirder that the way we had to figure it out, like what we're going to do for fill-ins, how it's going to work out, and how it worked out is uh, Dana Lash is going to fill in. Her show is going to fill in. Uh, 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 here uh, on WIBC. So that's crazy. So I'll be back uh, in the new year. Not going anywhere. I have huge announcements coming in the new year. Good things a play. Uh, and I'm hoping for for more good things. Uh, but all good things are happening because, um, because of you guys. Because you support this show. Because you supported me. Because you said, yes, we're willing to listen to six hours of cats a day. Right? That's... The, the pleasure's mine, dudes. It really and truly is. Uh, I, it, it's because of you uh, that I have this. And please don't think for a second. I'm not ever aware of that. I wish you the most Merry Christmas, Happy Hanukkah, a wonderful, wonderful new year. Wonderful. And I will catch you in 2023, everyone. Take care.